in words that we can say, and we say it so bold. This is 90.1 KPFT Houston. Welcome home. This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, 
composer spotlights, and more. Always Mas. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is the reason we exist. Today's radio program is a testament to how important our voices are. And I'm going to kick it off with the essay for Cultural Capital today. Are we targets or intellectuals? Our lives depend on art, history, and culture. The terrorist attack in El Paso is a very direct attack on our community. I read the terrorist manifesto. It regurgitates all the stereotypes being spread against us. And no matter what our community says or does, there are those who hate us simply for existing. The fact mainstream media does not have a long list of Latino intellectuals, scholars, or leaders to call is also part of the problem. We're not thought of as thinkers, as people. That has to end. The work accelerates now. This Hispanic Heritage Month, we have to demand that our art, culture, and history be extolled. Our story must be told. Our existence depends on it. Latino art, culture, and history humanize us. I say this just about six weeks shy of this year's observation of Hispanic Heritage Month. We are Americans. We've contributed a lot to this nation, to this state, and to this city. We're asking for our fair due and to be respected. This isn't a luxury anymore. This is now a life or death issue. Our people are under attack. Our voices are erased. Our hope dies. The attack on our community is set up by the erasure of our culture. The omission of our culture, history, and art convinces us, too, that we're not intellectuals. We don't speak up because some of us are convinced this erasure is accurate. Some of us even blame ourselves. That's going to take years of work to address moving forward. But we have to start the work now. One tweet at a time, one post, one journal entry, one poem, one short story, one radio broadcast, one skit, one person at a time, then an audience of two at a time, and so on, and so on, and so on. We've been making this case since I founded Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Having Their Say, in 1998. As Dr. Roberto Rodriguez pointed out on Facebook, we've been making this argument since before 1492. This tragedy is a potent sign that we must speak up together constantly. The longer we wait, the stronger these stereotypes fester, the harder they are to stamp out, and worse, these stereotypes become facts in the minds of those who hate us. Let's get something straight. Racists hate us simply for existing. The manifesto attributed to the El Paso terrorist uses simple sentences, nouns, and verbs that would each line argue to obliterate us. It's revealing that he does not know how to call us or what to call us. Worse, mainstream media doesn't know what to call us ever. Even worse, they don't know who to call in such cases because they're not calling Mexican-Americans throughout the year or Chicanas or Chicanos. And let's not mince words, the El Paso terrorist wanted to kill Mexicans. It's telling that he didn't use that word, but he did use the term Hispanics. What's also odd is that years after year, after years of fighting for Mexican-American studies, for ensuring that the Chicano Civil Rights Movement is preserved, mainstream media adopts the language of the terrorist and not ours. Again, there's some brief exceptions. However, they are overpowered by the white noise about the murders of our people and the obliteration of our art, history, and culture. 
we must demand art for Hispanic Heritage Month to humanize us and to inspire the mainstream to recognize our contributions all year long from now on. We're doing, we're going to be doing something about this. We will also create a list of experts for media to call all year long. In each of your own towns, we must also demand that our art and history be extolled all year long. It's telling that mainstream media would like to sweep under the rug the fact that Arizona banned our history and culture by implementing a law that accused Mexican-American studies and their instructors of promoting the overthrow of the government. That's a direct quote from a law that was in place in Arizona. We are proud that our community united with the people of Tucson to invest all of our community cultural capital to overturn that racist law. However, there again you see a stereotype that's used to convey our community as dangerous animals in order to justify erasing us. When Texas United to reject a racist textbook written by a former Texas State Board of Education member who was not an expert in any way, shape, or form about our community or culture, she too included that stereotype. Her textbook, deceptively titled Mexican Heritage, cited as a fact a definition of Chicanos as people who want to violently overthrow Western civilization. If we had not united to speak up and stop that textbook, that would be in test questions across Texas as we speak. How much more violence against our community would that incite? How much more erasure of our art, history, and culture would that justify? We must now more than ever demand that our art, history, and culture be taught in schools, referred to in mainstream media, and be profoundly respected by the nation. We will no longer stand for this erasure. When the Libre Traficantes returned from Tucson, Arizona, joining a national movement supporting our brothers and sisters in Tucson to defy that terrible ban of history and culture, we went directly to the Texas State Board of Education and demanded Mexican-American studies in Texas. Folks, even from our own community, said that it would never happen. The Texas SBOE always dismissed us on a good day and disparaged us on a bad day. We insisted and insisted, and insisted, and insisted. Six years later, the ten Republicans and five Democratic Texas SBOE members united across party lines to endorse Mexican-American studies statewide. We must see that same unity right now and from now on. Every city and town must recognize our art and history, we're working on Texas. Send us news from other states. We will create report cards on how each Texas city helps and supports or thwarts and defies our history, art, and culture. We will unite to raise funds and support El Paso. We'll create a list of experts in many areas for me to call on all year long on a lot of different topics, not just one or two. There must be a profound observation of Hispanic Heritage Month. Mexican-American studies must be present in every school, especially community colleges and universities designated as Hispanic-serving institutions, especially in Texas. They also must have Latinos, Latinx, Chicana, and Chicanos in positions of leadership, which is something we do not see. Every major Texas city should have a state-of-the-art facility for Latino art and culture and support and sustain legacy Latino art groups that have been holding it down for decades and in turn those legacy groups can support the rising and future Latinx art groups. This has to be done all year long from now on. We hope you will join us at Houston's Town Hall to save our art and culture. It will be Wednesday, August 21st, 2019, from 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Talento Building with the Houston, 333 South Jensen. You can also join in by RSVP in at Tony at NuestaPalabra.org. Please tell us when and where your town halls in your city and towns will take place. We'll share that over the air in our email blast. And in fact... If you want to join our email blast, you can text Nuestra Palabra to 22828. 
Again, if you want to join our email blast, you can text Nuestra Palabra to 22828. I'll tell you more about that in a little bit. This is literally a rebirth. We must unite and nothing will be the same ever again. Hey, this is Tony Diaz, the Libre Traficante. We do have some uh, great guests lined up for you today to strictly deal with this and promote art and culture. We're happy to have us in the studio live, uh, Poet Laureate Leslie Contreras-Schwartz. Hey, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And again, this is a very different structure for our show. We want to we really want to respond to what transpired. Absolutely. And I appreciate and am honored to be able to, to share space with you and talk about this with other people because it's now more important than ever to emphasize the culture and the rich history and the art that we continue to produce. And I think it is also very important to acknowledge that the post you have as Poet Laureate is important but also you're keeping it connected to the community. Yes, absolutely. And that's something we're going to have to insist and demand from everyone at every level. You've been doing it, so I'm happy that that all ties in. But we can't allow the separation of our community from the upper echelons of mainstream media, the corporate world, government, etc. And I think at the same time, we also need to heal. I agree. I also think that we need to both we need solidarity from other communities and at the same time we also need to provide solidarity to those communities we need we'll just be stronger you know there's so many we're not the only ones who are targets here we have trans people being murdered the african-american community you know they do not feel safe they haven't for a long time so I think we need to, to find ways to support each other because we're not going to be able to do this alone. And we've got Q. Hey, hey, what's going on? I hear you acknowledging some of those words. Which ones Which ones touched you there? Those, for me, you know, solidarity are important because, you know, it's it, we are screaming on the black American side. Like, they are not going to call this domestic terrorism because these are white guys. And this is an issue that needs to be dealt with. Um, and once again, you know, if they come for one of us and get away with it, they're going to come for all of us. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, this whole idea of video games, let's be real. The United States of America. What a deflection. The United States of America has been violent. Absolutely. Uh, lynching 1800s. The radio was not invented until the 1900s. Mm-hmm. So you cannot, that, is, you know, it's a false argument. You cannot say that mass communication has, uh, increased mass violence. No, America, uh, stole this land. Um, in a violent way, kidnapped violently people from another continent and brought them here, as well as use rape and other uh, uh, processes to separate families um, and, and, and many things. This is an issue that they need to deal with culturally, uh, legislatively, um, and and so forth. You know, this is hopefully people start to pay attention. Well, and I think that's been. Our role for a long time, but we even have to accelerate that in that, hey, let's humanize ourselves, Mm -hmm. each other, build these bridges, and really continue to take this dialogue to that level. Let's uh, introduce some of the interns and also Marlene over there. Hey, folks. I I can hear you. Why don't you say hi? (laughs) Wait, what? Hello. Who are you? Maria. (laughs) Yes, they can hear you. This is the first time on the radio, so yeah, <laughs> not the last time. Nervous, you know, uh, say say your name the on the, the air. <laughs> Wait, hello. Hey, my name is Maria Mendoza. I'm a senior at the University of Houston studying uh, journalism uh, broadcast. Great to have you here. Do you have a podcast? Yes, it's called News for Cooks. I've been doing it for a semester now, and it will return back to um, in the fall. But I want to continue more about podcasts and radio because I'm I'm just like, I love talking so much that I can talk about anything. And mine's more about people's careers and what they have done. Not only that, but different music, just different culture. And what's more here in Houston, there's a lot of things that people don't know what goes on in Houston. So I want to explore more uh, in Houston. Great. Appreciate you joining our team. I'll pass it to Rachel. 
Hi, um, I'm, I'm Rachel Rosales. Uh, yeah, I just, I actually just tra transferred to U of H and I'm just glad to be here, you know, to get into this experience uh, at the radio and it's just so exciting since, since uh, as Maria, she, uh, we're just, you know, trying to learn and apply this to, to our future, so. Great. We look forward to you contributing to the program. Appreciate it. And then uh, say hi, Marlon. Appreciate you putting the show together today. Hey, what's up, everybody? How's everybody shout, doing today? Shout out Letty also. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Letty. We miss you. Appreciate you helping us hold it down. And we will have two guests, additional guests. Uh, a little later in the program, we'll be talking to Dr. Irene Sanchez, who is an expert on Mexican-American history, because this is not anything new. He alluded a little bit to some of the past violence there's been a lot of violence so right, right and i'm trying to really be patient with the media so um i'm glad when they do bring on some latinx chicanas chicanos actually msnbc had a great segment with maria Hinojosa. finally that was good uh -huh. that was good so i don't want to throw too much shade but it is hard to stomach the fact that this violence is not new right and it, it is exactly. something that needs to be addressed right and we'll have dr irena sanchez a little later on the air and then right now we do have on the air with us, joining us by phone, a dear friend, an important writer from El Paso, Texas, UTEP, uh, Daniel Chacon. Are you there, Daniel? I'm here, Tony. Hey, brother. Thank you so much for calling in. I know that you are in the midst of it. I know that you love your city and you give so much to it. So first of all, our hearts go out to you at this time right now. Thank you. It's been It's been crazy. It's been unreal. And it's been... Uh, a, a, an emotional roller coaster. I mean, it's it's uh, you know it's great to see the community come together. It's great to see the El Paso Strong movement. It's great to see all those Latinos out there saying Trump, don't come and visit us, and to, you know being being proactive in this. But it's 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 so heartbreaking every moment that we get news today. Uh, we're having enchiladas, and so I had to stop at uh, to get some uh, Munster cheese, and the only way they sell Munster cheese in blocks around uh, where I'm at is at a Walmart. So I had to go to Walmart. And there was something I've never seen in El Paso before. I see it in Fresno. I see it in Los Angeles. But I've never seen it in El Paso before. And that is armed cops and armed security at a Walmart for El Paso. That's, that's, that's something that's just, uh, it's heartbreaking. And, and I, I've really... We've had a great connection with El Paso. A lot of our crew is from there. Yeah, but also, Lupe. Shout out to Lupe. Verdad. Right También uh, <laughs> Chewy. Y, I mean, go down the list of writers, verdad? Yeah, absolutely. And then I think the other the other part, too, is even during the Libre Topic and the Caravan, all the love and support that we received. It's such a tremendous city, uh, and, and we get so much support that it, it really is... It, just so you know, and of course we can't feel the same pain you're feeling, but it really made me sad and mad that this oh, was yeah. happening. And at the same time, I think it's even more vital that we call uh, you, the writers, the gente, because that that toll is the toll of stereotypes that are swelling against us. In the meantime, we don't have enough artists and writers that are household names. Um, mm. I don't know. Any, any thoughts on, on, on the role of this erasure of our art leading up to this well you know the um the interesting thing is that since this has happened i've been contacted by you know a lot of uh, different uh, uh media to uh, to make a statement it's like they're reaching out to the writers they're 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 calling me because i'm a writer and they're i just had an interview with al jazeera uh this afternoon they brought their camera over to the creative writing department at utah and they just wanted our perspective and i think that this is it makes sense because one of the the, the cultural assertions, one of the the, the great contributions uh, El Paso has made to Latino, Chicano, uh, Mexican, uh, U.S., Latin American culture is the literature and the art. Mm -hmm. We're we are incredibly, incredibly prolific community when it comes to art. And you know, I mean, we have you know Benjamin Alida signs. We have um, you know, it's what's strange is that if you look at the biography of a lot of Chicano writers, even if they haven't lived here for a long time, they came from here or they passed through here. And this is a special place, not only because of that, but, I mean, if you think about it, it's El Paso del Norte. And, mm. and, and this is this is the passageway that many, many Latinos, many Chicanos had to pass through either during their lifetimes or, or a generation or two before to go to California, to go to other parts of Texas, to go... 
uh, you know, to go to the Midwest, and they pass through here. And so there's so much history here, and, and inevitably, you know, Latinos, we're an artistic people. I mean, you, you give a Latino teenager a, a paintbrush, and they're going to draw some amazing culturally uh, assertive and, and uh, important images. And, you know, we're, we're incredibly artistic people. And so, yeah, a lot of us, a lot of the writers come through here. A lot of the artists come through here. And, uh, um, you know, so it's, it's um, we know this is a special place. There's, there's probably not an El Paso writer I know born here, who was born here or passed through here, who just doesn't still feel some sort of strong connection to this area. No, that that's really well put, and, and in fact, it's that gravitas, that that um, attraction, that that makes it so potent, and is part of the whole image. I think of Texas when you think of big Texas, El Paso is part of that. It's probably the capital E in the. <laughs> it, it is that E in the in the Texas. Well, well, you know, let me ask you this: How can we help from from other parts of Texas and the U.S. to to aid? Our familia at this time. Any suggestions? I know it's a it's a tall order to ask. Um, well, no, you know I think that uh, one of the things that that is kind of I, today I came home and I told my wife I said you know I think I'm going to get off Facebook man mm. because it's been so heartbreaking going into Facebook and you know and I even posted a, a few things about you know Trump's language of invasion and how you know this kid specifically says he wanted to kill as many Mexicans as possible. And, uh, and and how Trump gives his 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 de facto support by allowing comments like shoot him to happen at his rallies when they're talking about Mexicans and and and, and so you know I posted these things and and I'm getting these arguments man I'm getting arguments from 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 people mostly mainstream white people but Facebook friends that I've you know that I've that I've known or that you know are somehow connected to my community, you know, arguing that it's not racism. Wow. You know, arguing, you know, arguing these just ridiculous things, and, and then, you know, and then I'm getting all these, you know, get access to to all these arguments about how it's not about race and all this. And I, you know, and I just, you know, I'm just tired of it. And it's like I don't want to hear it. But on the other hand, what I don't want to happen is El Paso, the massacre, the invasion by this guy from another part of Texas, I don't want this to disappear from our consciousness. I don't want this to just, I don't want people to forget. And so I encourage people to go on Facebook or, or, or Instagram or, or Twitter or whatever voice they have. You, I heard a, a young woman just a little while ago, a senior at University of Houston who's in your studio right now who has a podcast. I would love for her to do a show about it. I don't want people to forget this because this is, a massacre of Mexicans. Mm. This is a massacre of Chicanos. And if we just let this slip by like we do all the other 256 shootings that have been that have taken place in the last less than three, 260 days, then, you know, then, then it's going to keep happening. And I think that we need to uh, assert, we need to assert ourselves to mm. keep this, you know, the main topic of conversation among Latino artists, writers, political uh, uh, activists, and so yeah, that's what you can do. Don't don't forget it. Don't don't wait for the you know like the next issue comes up. And there's a lot of issues, a lot of stuff to make us angry, a lot of stuff that 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 needs our immediate attention. But but yeah, don't forget about this. That that is inspiring, and it means a lot in mind, especially because you have created so much art that inspires us and given so much to other writers as well in, in in mentoring them as they progress so you're firing us up we are reporting for duty and we're, Houston is promising we're not going to let anyone forget this mm-hmm. and we're not going to yeah. let things go back to normal we're going to demand that the El Paso story be told and we're going to demand all our history and culture so, so thank you for all that you do we're here to help in any way shape or form and thank you for calling in well, thank you for all you do, Tony. You're, 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 you've always been there for the for this community. You've been a leader, and, and I really appreciate and respect everything you do for us. Thank you, hermano. That means a lot. Unidos. El Paso Strong, Daniel. We'll, we'll stay right. in touch. Okay, definitely. Gracias. Bye-bye. We are on Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say. We want to thank Daniel Chacon for taking time to call in with his powerful words and insights there, there in El Paso, in the heart of El Paso. And 
you know, he brings up some great, I mean, some intense points. You know, Dayton, the Dayton massacre happens hours after that. And then today as writers, right, right. I'm sad because the great Toni Morrison has passed R. too. R.I.P. Toni Morrison. She's impacted a lot of people to come through the studio on this show as well. She's changed the world Absolutely. through her art and literature. Absolutely. I think, I think what it reminds us of, though, is that, um, you know, she had to work nonstop against extreme mm. obstacles to be seen as intelligent, to be seen as worthy of being even considered as uh, someone that could be taken seriously. Mm. So with her passing, I think we're reminded we need to step up our game. Mm -hmm. We really need to to acknowledge that our country was founded on, you know, through colonization and slavery that that's going to keep re recapitulating throughout our history. That's not going away. But what we can do, even if our work doesn't have an immediate effect now, our kids are watching us. Mm. And if if it can't, if we can't make change happen in this generation, their generation can finish it, or their grandchildren, or, or their children and their grandchildren. So I think having Tony Morrison as a role model. Um, is extremely powerful right now because we can see the legacy she left and kind of like the, the tool, toolbox, mm -hmm. the resource, the guidance about how we can continue empowering ourselves. And use our artwork and our careers as well. Yes. You know, to not forget about the community that got us to those high levels and, and be that bridge of opportunities as well, you know. The, the other part, too, I'm glad you mentioned all of this, yeah. is that perhaps because she is internationally renowned, we may forget just how hard the struggle was. And on our worst days, I got a feeling it's still not as difficult as it was on her easiest days. Oh, yeah, absolutely. she's the generation. That's the generation that they were told you got to work twice as hard to get half as far. You, you know what, you know what I'm, I'm saying? I'm so like, when I see Toni Morrison, mm -hmm. I see standing on the shoulders of ancestors and I see me standing on her, her shoulders. It, uh, it, exactly. You know, that's what we in the black community, I see, you know, when I look at Toni Morrison. I, I also see all of the women just like her who did not get recognition mm -hmm. that have those books, you know, collecting dust in their grandchildren's houses uh, that did not. You know, it's 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 frustrating that she was an exception. I mean, of course, there are other great black authors that got recognition. But not she's enough. Not, That's right. a great not point. Enough. Right. For every one Toni Morrison, the, there's thousands of all the women silenced. and men who didn't get that chance, who didn't get the same audience. Um, so I think it's important for us to to look at that too, and to be aware fully aware of how much as artists we are up against yeah how no much, that's a know, valid point you know you're absolutely correct even when Toni Morrison was recognized by the New York Times for one of the best books um, I forget what period it was I think they were saying for the decade or for the uh, 20th century something to that effect um, the more important part of that story is they received a lot of criticism that she should not be on that list so even now, under our very noses, the struggle is real. Mm -hmm. She has to fight tooth and nail for everything you got. So this is a great point that you're making so that we can see now that she's I famous. Have, I have a story mm. that I want to tell you that relates to this exact concept. So I attended a very prestigious poetry residency recently within the past year. And a very prominent professor who works in this city um, read a poem uh, where he used the phrase dead immigrant bodies repeatedly and his poem emphasizes these corpses dancing on the beach you know they want bodies and he's saying it as if it's supposed to be humorous that same week this professor was talking to uh, another poet who was a teaching uh, fellow with me and another Mexican-American in the back seat while they continued to talk about 
these minority tokens with no talent. Wow. While we sat in the back seat. So, and, and I know uh, anecdotes from other people who say, you know, when I got tenure or when I uh, applied and got accepted as a professor at this institution, those small daily aggressions of people saying, oh, well, we know why you're here. Microaggressions. Yes. That's what um, those are, microaggressions. So they, they'll constantly, it doesn't matter if you have a PhD from Princeton. It does not matter because the core idea of our not being fully human is shared from people that live in a trailer park to people who live in a mansion. Who, who run institutions. Exactly. And let me jump in too, mm. because just like Daniel, just like Daniel Chacon said, even on Facebook right now, he's there on the ground. Okay, he's there on the ground, posting on Facebook, and he's got people who ha- are his friends on Facebook. So these aren't like trolls; these are people he knows. Yes, and responding, they are more sophisticated in the way that they show race racism, the way they you know create structures that. And reinforce racism and so you know their, their education helps them say oh well i'm not racist because look i can argue my way out of and, it and use a little rhetorical yes, crutch to get exactly. through it focus right. on semantics but let's like, get right. to the let's get yeah. to the results the results then are that let's go down the list we don't have i'm trying to think of mexican-american or latinx presidents at any of the major universities we do have university downtown dr muñoz um, I think HCC has one with Dr. Melissa Gonzalez. All the other institutions are Hispanic serving institutions, don't have presidents. University of Houston Creative Writing Program. Um, you've got Roberto over there, but he's not in the formal UH Creative Writing Program itself. Um, and they don't have enough Latinx, African American, or minority students there anyway. So, I, so I, I think that hmm. there is a common understanding that we're allowed in those spaces with conditions. Right. There can't be too many of us. Right. Um, and, and here, here's or or or, 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 or the type of persons, the type of folks. Exactly. You know, if you can have somebody compliant and you go along with the norm or what's expected of house you. House Negro, basically. Exactly. That's the house Negro right exactly. there, sitting next like to the you master. You know, a lot of things like uh, writing about issues of social justice or. Using different modes. Never mind of, that Pablo Neruda wrote about that. Yes, and, uh, or using different modes. Adam Zagieski right. writes about right. that. Right. Literary when we do it, it's it's wrong. Right. You know, diff- using different types of literary tropes or ways of communicating. If it doesn't fit in that box, you know, the same can be said with other genres like you know, visual art. If it doesn't fit within what's considered high art. They'll explain it away like, oh, it, right. you know, it's not it doesn't have the same merit or skill mm-hmm. versus let's put that as one of many aesthetic attributes. And exactly. let's talk about yes. all of them versus. Yeah. And I've been in workshops, too, where people would lose their minds over that one aspect. And then I'm like, well, how come a homeboy used French? You were cool with bilingualism. But, <laughs> you know, and right. then all of a sudden it's not or just not, you know, something as simple as not taking the time to look stuff up. I mean, it, it, we do it all the time. We have <laughs> Constantly. To, we have to look up. Constantly. Words and cultural references that we do not get at all because we didn't grow up that way. Right. It, it, but they aren't, they act like they're not expected to do the same for us because we're not at the center. And, and then let's go down right. the list. So, so these yeah, attributes yeah, yeah. that, that add to this approach to our community erases our art, history, and culture, and then results where we don't have the sort of sustained help for all of our communities, arts, culture across the board. The uh, We do hope you will convene with us. We're going to have a Houston Art Town Hall to save our culture Wednesday, August 21st, 2019, 6.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Talento Building with the Houston, which needs a lot of help as well. So we're coming in to, to save TBH. The address is 333 South Jensen. But the main point is exactly like you're talking about. Let, let, let's unite. And I think that's the other thing, too. I've always known that as Chicanas Chicanos, we include everyone. 
Mm. You yes. know, like, and I'm glad we've had these different discussions about building that bridge. Like Macondo. And, and that's a wonderful experience. And, and here, here's one quick example. And I keep, you know, it, let's just name one institution. For example, University of Houston Creative Writing Program. The typical response is that we don't get enough applications. We don't have enough uh, access to folks. Well, Mocondo, Nuestra Palabra, is the umbrella group. We helped create the website. In the last two years, there's been over 200, hundreds of applicants who pay $25. Who are quality. And they're perfect amazing for writers. So what I'm saying is, how come when we do it, who, we get who, hundreds? Who's in the room and then, making these hiring decisions, right? Who's in the room making these decisions about who gets admitted? And, That's the next step question, and right? And it's a profound, the profound cost of that is that then when our youth walk into classrooms, they don't see people like us. And they check out. I know it. I'm a public ed- school educator, and I see it on their faces when they see me and they see other teachers that are not from their same background um, and how they interact with them. Same with my Latinx students. I, I see it on their faces when they see me and they see their other teachers who, you know, are, are Caucasian or whatever. There is a difference, right? When you're able to see somebody who's going through your struggle, who understands you, you know, has a similar shade as you. But it's still showing up every day, giving you their all. You know that matters for them. That they're paying attention to that, and it, and even more so if these kids don't have parents, they you know they don't have a father. If they have that father figure of their community teaching them, grades go up, behavior goes up, engagement goes Boom. up, engagement with others goes up. Boom. Um, and, and you know, who is making those decisions to hire and and and, mm-hmm. and admit? Right? Mm-hmm. You want to deal with sexism and racism? Who are the gatekeepers in the room saying yes and no? That is where you got to start because I promise you, man, people from our community, we're applying to these places. Exactly. We, we're, we're, we, we are putting our names in the hat, but, but there's somewhere from you click submit to the window of opportunity and it's like, man, my shut phone ain't wrong, kid. Shut the, they shut the window. I think the other issue is that when we do get leaders who do make it through the door, those people want to emulate this structure and culture of of white supremacy and mm. patriarchy and some get rewarded for doing that. right yes. right because yes. the ones that don't absolutely even if they're not confronted directly they're not given the secret awards they're not given the benefits of favoritism and they are then also ostracized but see that goes back to where, where if, if you if your roots are really in the community when you get those opportunities yeah sure you're gonna want to do for you but i swear to you your goal is I'm looking out for me and mine. I'm making, I'm creating those bridges. I'm not forgetting where I come from because for me, you know, success is, uh, is not a mortgage. It's rent. It's due every day. Mm. And that goes not only with success, but that goes also with like, uh, doing for your community, doing for your people, doing for your fam, bam, you know? Now, now, and I agree with you completely. Let me throw something scary from this manifesto. I read it. There's Um, tons of it, man. Oh my God. The Um, whole bullet conversation just, Freaked me out, you know? I, I don't it's, know if I can read it, it directly. It's at Latino Rebels. Uh, yeah. If you go to their Facebook page. I don't recommend people reading it. I mean, I had to read it just because I... Listen, I, I, I wanted, wanted to, to see... Blessed. Listen, man, you put this out here. I, I, I want to know what's going on in your mind. And I want to be able to read this and see why the higher-ups cannot make a, a, a draw a connection to... Oh, my God. Um, that, that's terrorist. an insult. People right. who can't draw and a I connection... And I see if they change something. I think the one thing that happened in Gilroy, they opened it up as a domestic terrorist investigation. I saw it recently. I need to follow up with that, but I wanted to read it for those reasons. See why you guys can make those connections because because I'm reading, it, I'm seeing it's yes, obvious. I'm it's seeing obvious. this looks like a manifesto for violence. This dude had tactical information. He had yeah. There's a really scary part. All of it's scary, and it is unsettling to read. But here's the part too that that is really mind blowing, in that the um, the terrorist in it says that um, that Hispanics are. Still in the American dream, they will remain unskilled laborers. However, their kids go to college and take skilled jobs. And then he alludes to the Democratic debates. And I couldn't help but think that who was on that stage? Julian Castro was on that stage. And he talks about how his mom suffered and worked. And he talks about how he went to an Ivy League. And I'm thinking, this guy was full of hate because he saw this, you know, Mexican-American. He saw success. Vine for it. Yeah. And he couldn't stand it. And then it's almost like if we're gangbangers, we're accosted. If mm-hmm. we're laborers, we're accosted. If we're Princeton grad or, mm-hmm. or Ivy League grads, 
were accosted in the mind of those uh, racists. Uh, Let's, go ahead. Go um, ahead. What this has me thinking of is that, you know, I grew up in the Aldine area, and I was constantly being told, even though I was in a gifted program, I was expected to be like, a, you know, everyone else, pregnant at 15, hanging out with gangbangers. That, of course, that's what was expected. And then when I get out of that environment, um, I'm told at Rice, you don't have leadership material. Mm. You'll never be a mm. leader. I was told that when I applied to a specific leadership program. You don't look like the type is what really what they were saying. You don't sound like the type. You don't convey or carry yourself as the type. So I think that y what you're saying is true. Um, if we're low skill, if we are from a group that has less opportunity or if we happen to have the opportunity, we can't win. Mm -hmm. And I think what Chacon said about Facebook is interesting. To me, my, my opinion is that Facebook is documenting who I can trust. Mm. Because we know now that we're targets. We know who's a target. Facebook is a a good tool for us to collect that information and know hmm. and see who our allies are. I tell you what, I think I think I hear my Len talking to Dr. Uh, yeah. Yannis Sanchez on the phone. We, we, we're talking right for a little bit. We got to come back and get some of your poems. We'll close out with some of your poems, uh, Leslie, so you can heal us. But also, too, I think it's important that you share your voice, especially for all the reasons we mentioned. Like these are voices that are supposed to be snuffed out. It's happening in El Paso, literally, but also we got to recognize it's happening metaphorically, layer by layer. And I, I like what you said, too. For every one of us who gets to express our voice, there's probably thousands of us yes. that have been discouraged yes, or de destroyed. And I think it also affects all of us mentally. You know, even if you're not an artist, even if you're, you're just a reader or not just, but you're a reader or you appreciate different kinds of art. Um, we depend on art to help us keep living and to have hope. And all of us are affected mentally and internally when something like this happens because we feel mm. that target. Mm. And we're, we're here to, to, to heal through art. Yes. We're joined on the air by Dr. Irene Sanchez. Can you hear me? Oh, I think I think we had a little technical flub. And we did call her because she is an expert in Mexican-American history. She had a piece on uh, CNN.com that alludes to that. But a little bit of what I wanted to get at, and, and maybe you could read your poem now, actually. But sure. uh, a little that I did want to get to is the fact that I, I'm trying to also um, control my disappointment and frustration with the fact that this violence is not new. It's just is not been under our nose at this level most recently, but there's a lot of eras of violence against our people yes. and community. I think we've been spoiled in our generation because um, you think of our ancestors, they went through way worse than mm -hmm. we have ever experienced. Um, so I did want to mention something about the Poet Laureate appointment. One of my goals and one of the reasons why I even applied is because to me, social justice and community and making art go hand in hand. Mm. They don't hold the same meaning to me if I'm just, I don't know, writing about boyfriends that left me or something frivolous that is focused on myself. Um, because that's just how I find meaning. And I also think that art should be made with a with an intention of you're communicating i mean you're not making art so that it can stay in a room mm, right. or for yourself and if you are making it for yourself or to impress other people or to be accepted in certain elite communities then i question its merit mm. yeah we got dr Eden sanchez on the line Great. Uh, Irene, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Thank you so much for calling in on short notice. Appreciate it. And uh, we've got live in La Cabina, uh, Leslie Contreras-Schwartz, who is the Houston Poet Laureate. Say hi, Leslie. Hi. Hi. And we've got Q and Marlene working the boards and working the phones. Thank you for joining Bonjour. us. Hello. We had Bonjour. a chance to Como chat so with on. you via, uh, via Twitter, 
And one thing we didn't want to touch on is is what you had brought up, including in your uh, in your essay, the fact that you know yes, this is this is horrendous. However, there's been a historical legacy of violence against our community. Yeah, I mean, this is something I've I've written about, I've researched, I, I've taught for a while, and it's just it's it's sickening to me that it it took a massacre for people to finally pay attention to that history and that story. Um, and I found it really troubling. Uh, before El Paso in Gilroy, California, I used to live on the central coast uh, in the Santa Cruz Watsonville area of California, and it was it was troubling to me that everyone kept saying in the media, um, why is this happening? And I think if we had that foundational knowledge, historical knowledge of what happens here in the Southwest in general, if those things were taught in our schools, then I don't think people would be asking those questions. But I think what the problem is is that a lot of this uh, analysis in this lens that our stories and um, history is coming from is from an East Coast lens or a Midwest lens, and I really think that's why it's even more important now than ever to have uh, the voices of these communities and these regions represented. And and I think that is a great context to put it in because, exa- I mean, where do we start? You're right. All of a sudden, it becomes an issue. Uh, like you pointed out, uh, the East Coast Midwest perspective is very different, um, and there, you know we're not thought of we're not thought of a, a, at all throughout this uh, throughout this moment. Um, a couple things we, we're planning to be doing, starting here from Houston, Texas, and we'd love to team, team up with people from across the country. Is we are going to start lists of experts for many many topics. We are actually having a uh, art town hall because we've been fighting to get representation for a long time, but we really do need to step it up. We're having a a, a town hall here next next uh, next Wednesday, the twenty first. But we do want to stay in touch so that we know what you're working on. We know what folks across the country are working on. Um, what what are your thoughts on? I mean, what are some things to address this? I'm laughing because it's kind of like we don't have ten hours to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we can only deal with one tiny chunk of the elephant. Right. <laughs> At a time. You say that again. Um, you know? Yeah, right? So w- what are your thoughts? You mentioned more. Right. <laughs> you mentioned more more history in the schools. What are some other things you think we need to be hitting hard? I think what you said, that list, um, and that's another thing. Where Where is the representation? And, I mean, it's one thing to say, like, okay, where is it? But I, I would really like to see more from this region, from, like I said, the communities affected, impacted because um, you're going to have a different perspective from, and I'm not to say that all Mexicans or Chicanos know the history of everything, but the thing is it has to be in our schools. You know, I teach Chicano Latino studies for high school here in California. I teach at three different high schools. And um, what happened in Arizona, as you know, was was a tremendous um, setback, I think, in many ways. Uh, I know there's progress in places like like the has like uh, here in California too, in Washington State, up on the Southwest, but up there, I did graduate work up there, and I, I really think it's foundational have this history, these classes taught. I think our history, <laughs> the problem with it is that it's not seen as mm. U.S. history. Boom. It's not seen as U.S. history, mm-hmm. and so then people just like, oh, this is a separate side elective, or this is yes, a separate it's an class. <laughs> right. Yeah, right? Not and it's, an No, our history is U.S. Yes. history, and we need to start treating it as such, but the rest of the country, it seems like, doesn't want to treat that as such, and, and they haven't for a very, very long time, and that's why we, we have the conditions we have, because it is true. Our students don't know this information, um, but then if you can talk to um, maybe people more, Older who didn't have that formal schooling have access to it like most of our community doesn't have. Um, I've said it before, a lot of um, people of Mexican or Chicano background, we have some of the lowest educational attainment rates in the U.S. And so to think that we're, or assume that we're just going to get it when we go to college, a lot of, a lot of our hint that doesn't make it. So we have to keep pushing to make sure that this information, this history, um, not just in the schools, just accessible to the community in general. And I, I, I really think it starts there with that education because the more we know, the more we don't have to ask those questions later, like why is this happening? And um, 
But I, I do think, and I agree with everything you're saying about making those lists and making it known, but I think it takes a, a movement of us to make sure this keeps pushing forward because um, it's hard. It's hard to do this, um, you know, in our, in our, even in our independent little, like, regions of different states. Texas is really huge, right? California <laughs> is really big. I'm over here in Los Angeles. So, uh, you know, we need more movement. And like you say, to build across those, those even those state lines and maybe really just... Um, build solidarity on on that front too across the southwest region as well and start to push it even further and and the other thing i want to add as as we close out too would be what what i really appreciate you adding just to our current discussion if you look at a lot of the folks on mainstream talk shows news shows especially even if it's immigration they're latinos based in dc so you make another great case Mm -hmm. in that they're looking for experts really Mm -hmm. far from the real borders fascinating point fascinating point (laughs) To, to get in there so, so thank you so much for calling in. I hope and we can I could, stay in touch. Oh, yes, please, yeah, Q. I, I love what you said, uh, Dr. Sanchez, about them not seeing that as their history, you mm-hmm. know, because the same is happening with uh, black history. And, and both of these histories, black history and Latinx history, is American history. And that should, be, that should also be our push and goal through those courses to get, uh, you know, those, those from that certain population to see that all of this is American history and we truly are that melting pot. If we're going to really say we're a melting pot, we got to say that and mean that also for our history and the things that have gone on. Oh. No, I agree with you. And, you know, we've Thank been you reading their history that. the whole time. You know, U.S. history has been this from this white perspective. So we need, we need our classes and we need to keep pushing and make sure everybody knows that our history, like you said, is U.S. history. Boom. Yeah. Beautiful. So we look forward to checking with you again in Unidos. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Gracias. Solidarity. So Unidos across the country, across the Southwest. I want to remind folks that we'll be convening at TBH August 21st, 630 p.m. for Houston Arts Town Hall. We got time for a poem? We Absolutely. We got a minute and a half. Thank you. Minute and a half. So. Because we want you to heal, gente. (laughs) I I do have poems about. Uh, being a mother during an age of mass shootings. But I'm not going to read that because we need hope right now. So I'm going to read about survival. Mm. This is called Incantation. Conjure all night, up all night self. Conjure haven't closed my eyes, haven't rested limbs, no torso self. Conjure delirious, conjure sunset, Conjure thawing into indigo and black grave self. Conjure raw, unfiltered maple glow, never touched. Conjure self. Conjure honeyed self, sticky-lipped newborn pink that feeds on the starved self. The fattened, overfull, sick-of-thought self eats her one gulp and eating with hands self. The self Never satisfied. Conjure afterglow. Seat self that eats all other selves, splitting selves, spitting, and washes them down with three boxes of chocolate, covering the dried, aging, cruel, reddened mouth self. Selfish, stingy-lipped, sugar self. Sticky, too sweet self. Conjure this night beast stock. Of my deep forest, unafraid animal, unafraid self, unnecessary self made from pure and still holding onto umbilical cord self, worthy with the blood of mother and clean, free of thought or judgment, just body, just full fruit self, hanging from vine self, never altered, whole soul self beautiful that has been leslie contreras schwartz houston poet laureate with some healing poetry thank you for joining us thank and all you that for thank you thank you thank you great show today hey Merci Q, thank you thank you brother that was beautiful that's no marlene you're welcome that thank, was a great show guys great show yeah, thanks shout out to letty shout, shout out, out to, to all the people calling through sorry we gotta move on sorry man sorry we'll take more thank you for next calling week. we appreciate yeah, we'll it next week next week show's over thanks for our interns Thank you, interns. Yeah. Tony Diaz saying ciao.
No matter where you are on the political spectrum, KPFT is a daily check-in on the workings of democracy. Part of a democracy is an independent press and media. Media like this is supposed to be the check and balance on government. And community radio is one of the few media outlets left that is completely independent. That's why in this age of the greatest media consolidation America has ever seen, having different voices out there is essential. KPFT has been around since 1970, and we have survived through the contributions of people like you. Listeners who donate to KPFT support us because they know that's what keeps KPFT independent.